Welcome back to Racecourse Ramble. I think we're up to episode 10 now. So, uh, first of all, a big thank you to Michael Starkey, who joined me last week, all the way from America. And uh, the the boys were back today. I've got Richie and Alex on the on Zoom for a few hours tonight. And we didn't talk about the documentary, because uh, Hinge and Bracket have not seen it yet. Episodes 3 and 4, which... Uh, I have, but I didn't spoil it really for them, so I kept that bit to myself, um, which was another fascinating uh, another fascinating hour of telly. So hopefully everybody's seen that. If you haven't seen it, go out and check it out. Episodes three and four, again, are really, really good. Um, so coming up today, what we talked about, uh, we had a quick chat about Gateshead. We had uh, we had some player ratings, so thanks everybody who's voted in the player ratings. So we had some match ratings for that. We uh, talked about player of the month, and again, I've just put out who the winner of our the Racecourse Ramble player of the month was, who was voted by, by you guys. So I really do appreciate it when everyone just takes a second just to vote in those uh, those little polls. It's, uh, it's re- really helpful for me. Um, so we had a t- chat about goal of the month. Um, of which there was uh, very little competition. Um, there was only ever one winner of that, I think, so uh, some of you won't be surprised by that. We had a little bit of a chat about streaming and sort of uh, following up on our co-chairman's uh, tweets this week, but we didn't go into too much detail because that's an evolving situation. It feels like every day we get a different uh, different update on that, so that one will uh, we'll see how that plays out. Um, and then finally, we had a chat around the sort of Dorking team, what we think Phil Parkinson might do, and uh, some score predictions. Now, we didn't do bad last week, myself and, although Richie messaged me his uh, score prediction, both said 3-1, and uh, that's what it ended up with at uh, the race course on Tuesday night, under the lights. So, um, yeah, we've got some score predictions for our trip to Dorking, which uh, I'll be on one of the fan coaches. Uh, leaving at 8 o'clock, I think, from the turf, so we've got an early start. So uh, some of you might be listening to this on the way. hope it will prove to be a bit of 90 minutes worth of entertainment. So, uh, yeah, let's get into the chat, uh, and I'll just sign off afterwards. So let's start with you then, Richie, because I know you went... So just uh, before we get into the, the, the sort of minutiae details and the sort of player ratings and that sort of thoughts, what was your overall sort of feelings on it? Uh, great start. Um, great intensity. Got the two goals, which you deserved. Could have been a couple more. Um, but again, we just dropped off when this man got sent off. Um, I'm glad that Parky watched the same game as me and listened to his interview. I think we actually agree for the first time. Um, about he said that we dropped off, we struggled, and then Howard had to keep us in the game really at the end with a couple of good saves. Um, but second half we come out with a bit, bit of momentum. We tried for 10, 15 minutes, but it's just not ticking over for me. But having listened to Ollie Palmer's interview, I tend to agree with him. 
we're in a better position where we were last year. Um, we're second and we've won some games, whereas last year you were thinking, oh, God, how are we gonna, how's this going to turn out? But if we're getting points and we're not playing well, it's sign of a good team in, uh, in my eyes though, as well. Yeah, so it was quite interesting because um, the atm- I know lots of people commented about the atmosphere, saying it was a bit weird. I don't know whether everybody just relaxed because we went two 0 up in a blink of an eye or or what, but it was it was it was it was a bit strange. Um, but yeah, what you said what you said is right, especially about Mark Howard. Mark Howard towards the end sort of did pull off a few good saves. I haven't seen the replays yet, um, so I'll be interested to see that on their goal. I'm not sure he covered himself in glory on their goal. It looked to go through his hands or he got a bit of hand to it or what, but it was it looked a bit soft to me. Um, but he did. Uh, I was right there the goal yes. when it went in. Um, and for my, what I will say is, for me, it looked as if we were doing zonal marking. The lad's gone from the middle, uh, from the from the back, po- back post of the corner, come to the middle, then gone to the front post, caught Aaron Hayden out. And I just think that the... The zip off the surface has stuck it past Howard, and all he could do was just get a quick hand to it. So I would actually blame Hayden and not Howard for that. Yeah, be inter- be, it will be interesting to see. But somebody, as you say, it was Hayden, somebody let the man go. It was a bit soft. And I mean, there was a lot of arm raising and looking at each other, going, you know, what's going yeah. on? And uh, I don't know if you noticed that from where you were. Um, uh, but um, yeah, it, it was a funny one, but we've definitely, this team is definitely not gelled yet, has it? It's not clicked. And I think we were hoping that because we hadn't done the sort of broad changes, um, that we would be up a gear or up two gears by now, making good progress. Now, as it happens, we are winning the games anyway, but yeah. you know, to watch, it's still a tough watch. And I, it's interesting because they touch on, they start to touch on this time last year on the documentary. Um, and the sort of the string of draws we were going through, and so what Palmer's saying is right. The fact that you know we have we're winning games, um, so we have racked up a few more points. Um, but yeah, I, I think I know Alex. You you tweeted something the other day. I can't remember exactly what you said, but it was so you you had a bit of a rant about. I can't, what remind me? Can you remember what it was? You'd put something out there saying if you expect yeah. us to be. Oh, go on, I can't remember. Man City, was it something I'll read it, I'll read it. It got 86 likes, actually, which is uh, solid. (laughs) So, I put on the 31st, which was, what, the day after the Gateshead game. So I said, so Wrexham have won three games in a row, scored 11 goals in the process, climbed to second in the league, yet some fans are moaning, laughing emoji. If you want quality football every game, the National League isn't for you. And there's a kiss on the end as well. Um, <laughs> you get them in. You get them extra bits in there. Good luck. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> and like we said at the start of the podcast, I wasn't there, to be fair, on, on Tuesday evening. So I guess that counts a little bit against me because I didn't see the performance. But I saw the result, obviously. And the results are all that matter to me. I don't care if we win ugly every game, if it's a battle, if we have to grind out 1-0 wins, if we're lucky, if we need to rely on a moment of brilliance from Mullen or Palmer. As long as we win the games, um, you don't win the National League in most cases by playing pretty football, blowing the opposition away, winning 3-4-0 every match. It, it doesn't happen and 
Manasseh League champions we've played since we've been down here, they've never struck me as being world beaters, with the exception of maybe Fleetwood, who I was very impressed with when they had Jamie Vardy in 2012. But teams like Lincoln, Barrow, um, Cheltenham, I've always seen them come to the race course and thought, you know what? If they're the champ, if they're top of the league, then we've got a chance. But we haven't had a chance in previous seasons because we have we don't know how to win ugly. And it seems like we are winning ugly um so far this season. Um and if we're still second in the league or top of the league in 10 games time and we're still not playing well, don't care. As long as we're winning, as long as we're up there. Go on, Richie. You you have your say. Then I've got something to to sort of add. I think. Um, yeah, I would tend to agree with Alex. I mean, it'd be nice to see us play some nice football, but then we've tried every way. We've tried long ball. We've tried Gary Mills passing. I think with Parky, I think what he will do as well, though, when he's under a little bit of pressure or he feels he's under a bit of pressure, he'll revert back to his team of last year, wouldn't he? Yeah, you know, and and that is obviously. Obviously, we've got a different goalkeeper, which you know can't be helped. But the normal back three, the normal midfield three, the wing backs can tend to maybe change, and then obviously the two lads up top. So we we'll always revert back to that tried and trusted method, really. You know, if you look at the points talk we had last year, then they got us then points. Um, and it's difficult trying to introduce new players because he's trying to bring a bit of flair to the team, maybe. Obviously, with Elliot Lee, but then when they come on, they've got that extra bit of class, and that's where he. You know, the first game of the season and obviously on Tuesday night as well, he came on and, you know, and, and he did a, did a bit and changed it and it's something else for the opposition to think about. I think maybe they've had a chat and change room. They said, you know what, it's going to be hard graft, which is going to be everyone's come back fit, new signings. People are unsure how other teams play. You know, when we get to 30, 35 points, it's that where these League One players and the better quality that we've got, they're the ones where we're going to get us up to 60, 70 points. And then the final hurdle is getting us over the line, isn't it? And which I think we would have probably learned from last year. Um, I think Notts County are going to challenge us, I'll be honest, because I think they've got lads who are going to score goals. But it's them big games where we play that top six or whatever, they'll be crucial again. But I just think we've got, we look as if we've got a little bit about us. But we're, getting, we're winning games because we've got more people getting average scores, average matches. So if we've got, five, six, seven, who were getting six, sevens out of ten. Might not be brilliant, but we've always got that one person on the pitch by the Chesterfield game where that makes a difference for us. So if we've got six, seven players who are getting sixes and sevens, you know, Gates had a couple of good players, made somewhat had one good lad, but not, you know, not one we'd run out and sign. Woking had a couple about them, but I just think we've got the... Come the end of the season, if anyone finishes above us, then they will deserve to finish above us because I still think that we'll go on and win the league. Yeah, so I think uh, the thing that struck me overall on Tuesday was that Elliot Lee has to start games, which might sound really stupid, but somebody's going to have to come out or or he's going to have to find another way because, again, he came on and just changed. It was interesting because he came on at a tight because they were still making chances. They were playing, you know, without any pressure, weren't they? Because they were down the man and losing. Um, and yet Lee then comes on with about half an hour to go or whatever it was, and he changed the dynamic of the game because we were more threatening going forward. And he was constantly looking for different forward passes. There's one particular chip to Mullin that he put through, which was yeah. uh, 
sort of Davis-esque from last season, really. Mullin just missed, missed the control on it, but it was an awesome. So it, it, all of a sudden, they're on the back foot, and it changes the dynamic of the game. And um, I just I don't see now how Parkinson cannot start the lad, unless he's got carrying a knock or something that we don't know. Um, that's going to be a real interesting one at Dorking at the weekend. Um, but that midfield is still not what we need it to be. That's the one area that concerns me. And when people are moaning about how we're playing, I understand what they're saying to a certain. I don't. They're not moaning because we're because we're not winning because we are winning. I think what people are thinking is that if you continue to play like this, you won't win every game. It's just not going to happen. Uh, and you, you know your luck will run out, or you know you, you you just won't be doing enough. So I think that's why people are concerned um, about it. And I guess that's the that's the that's the moot point, isn't it? Is is if the if the performances are poor and then you're drawing or losing games, then Parkinson becomes the target and under pressure. Then, yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, um, if we start to lose matches, draw matches, like we did at the start of last season, where we were twelve by what October November time, then yeah. Definitely cause for concern then, and fans will have every right to moan. But I said this on Twitter as well. Winning is the only inspiration I need um, when it comes to following Wrexham. Sick of the National League. Was it 14, 15 seasons now? And it's a league you have to win by playing ugly. And I completely agree with you, Matt, when you say if these performances are coupled with poor results, then we should be very worried because that team on paper should have enough to win, not every game, but to beat most teams in the National League, whether that be home or away. Um, I think we've been slightly lucky the last few games where we've played weaker opposition. Uh, so Maidenhead obviously looked quite poor. Woking, all right, half decent, but you won't expect them to be in the playoffs this season. Um, and then, of course, the game against Gateshead, who were, I think, second bottom or bottom before going into the match. So I can see why people are worried in that sense, especially in regards to the last two games, that we haven't blown these sides away, especially with 10 men. I get that as well, but I can't remember who said it on Twitter the other day, but sometimes playing against 10 men is harder because mm. teams, they come together, they're more of a unit, and they make themselves harder to beat. So I wouldn't read too much into not being able to blow away teams with 10 men either. Um, yeah, don't know what you think, Richie. Listen, obviously we'd love to see him playing expansive football. You know, the wing-backs get beating their men all the time, crossing the ball in. For more concern for me is conceding goals. Is Maidstone were never going to score against Rexham if they were still there now, you know, to be fair to them. They just didn't have much of an attacking threat at all. Um, I think Gateshead did us a favour on Tuesday when they had the man sent off. They took the right winger off because for me he was getting in a few times down that he was the danger man for them, um, as well as the, the small number ten. But it's just clean clean sheets means we're always going to nick a goal, which is near of what Ollie Palmer said in his uh, in his interview. You know we're not we don't want to be the Kevin Keegan team, do we, of the of the nineties where you score three, we'll score four. We're probably capable of doing that, but it's not going to breed confidence with the back three, is it? So, I just don't think with the midfield, going on to what Matt said, 
he can't. It's getting that balance. I don't think he knows who's the, the best three he can play. If he rotated it round and said, "Oh, I've changed it round because of the opponent," maybe you could understand his selection in that way. But you know, we started with supposedly two defensive players, as in Luke Young and James Jones, and then uh, obviously we played with Davis. Then Jones goes off. Elliot Lee comes on. So you've got Davis and Lee going forward, and we did look a little bit different. But then I think somebody else made this point on Twitter is that anyone who's got capabilities of dribbling with the ball gets through our midfield far, far too easily and gets at our defence a lot. And that's different teams we played against this year. Yeah, even uh, Macclesfield in the pre-season friendly got from their box to our box relatively easy. So the signs were there early doors that we're, either the balance isn't right or we haven't got the right type of player, dare I say it. Um, and it was quite interesting this week. I did a little poll on Twitter to see whether people thought we needed another sign-in and where that sort of sign-in should come in terms of what position. Uh, what do we think was the overwhelming winning position at 67%? It's got to be midfield. Defensive. Yeah. Central midfield, yeah. I, think. I, th- I think would you, I would feel much happier if we just had somebody you know a big ad so and so that could come in at the end. You might only use him sometimes in some games at the last 10 minutes just to see a game out, and then other games where you're playing the big boys, he might start, but just feel that we haven't quite got that. And I, I don't know, are we just pre programmed from historical football, or you know, because it looks to me like Parkinson just wants to pass his way through everybody, really. Um, and I just don't know whether that'll. I don't. I don't think. It just doesn't feel right to me. That I just feel like we just need that one. That one player. Yeah. That's what. It, I and I don't right know why. Matt. I don't know why. I think you're right in when regards to what you said to the big matches. Um, the Chesterfield away, we were crying out for a big hard so and so in the middle just to break up play to stop their midfielders from driving forwards. You can probably get away with a more of a lightweight um, technical midfield when you're playing against the likes of Maidenhead, Gateshead, etc. Tempate. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, or when you're playing those kind of teams at home because you've got more of a license to get forward. The teams that you're playing against are going to sit back. But when you go away to Chesterfield on a Tuesday night, you need that steel in midfield. Um, tease a Premier League analogy, something like a Roy Keane or a Vieira who's going to get stuck in, try and set the pace of the game. Um, and like I say, I think that's the biggest thing we missed at Chesterfield. And I can't remember the name of their central midfielder, but he was go on, Ollie Banks. Ollie Banks, I think he scored as well, didn't he? Yeah, he was yeah. exactly the kind of player we needed that night. Just a thought. Sorry, I don't know if you were about to jump in then, Richie. I've just, but just something's just come to me. Do you know what we feel a little bit like at the moment? And I don't know if you pay much attention to Premier League or not, so forgive me. But, you know, for years, Arsenal were regarded as this super technical team that could potentially do wonders, but they could get bullied every week. That's a little bit, not quite as bad, perhaps, but that's a little bit what it feels like to me that we could potentially be. That is that. Not, yeah, I think people think that's an unfair analogy, but that's that. That's just my two penneth. Yeah, I think obviously we'll go on and talk about Dorking later on in the show. But you're thinking now, and you think, well, if he started with the team he started with on Tuesday, 
you could get and understand that because maybe you would say, well, Jones and Young are more not defensive minded, but they'll do the graft and they'll do the running around. And you've got to sometimes you've got to match these teams, and then your quality should come through, especially for Saturday. But it's getting that balance right, isn't it? And like I say, his team shape. I can see what he's trying to do, but I just don't think there's much. The players have not got um, manoeuvring themselves to look at a game and think, do you know what? We need to change it slightly. You know, we need to we need to drop deep or we need to split ourselves or we need to sit in here for five minutes and keep the ball. We haven't got that because uh, somebody made a mention to me on Tuesday night and said, Mendy's not the player we've seen playing for Bourne and Wood or Wheelstone. It's as if he's been told, you can go forward one out of three opportunities. You know, don't. I'm not saying he's been told that, but he's not got the flair which we thought we would, you know, be skipping past full backs and whipping the ball in. He's not, you know, maybe he's just taking a while to settle in. I don't know. You, you don't know what he's told us in team instructions, do you? But something's not right because uh, we just haven't got no flow to our game. Yeah, uh, I think our, maybe our maybe the players will be. Uh, willing to take more risks when they feel that the balance is there in the centre of the park, um, perhaps. Um, but so it feels to me like if we could get this sorted, and as I said, it just I thought it was Tom O'Connor when we signed him, but I don't think it is. I still think he, I think him, Young and Jones are, are very similar in the positions that they take up on the pitch. Um, but if we can get that one midfielder, it feels like when Palmer came in last year and things started clicking, Feels to me we'd really click with a just if we've got that option in, in, in midfield. Yeah, um, I wasn't a Wrexham supporter at this time, but I think the last time we got promoted in 2003, I think we signed a player called Scott Green in the January transfer window. You two will probably have more of an idea than me, but apparently he came into that midfield and he was the difference from January onwards. Yeah, he got us up without doubt. Yeah. Yeah, just just I say when I mean we're nitpicking because we might have enough anyway. But it, and I guess we maybe we're looking at it through a magnifying glass currently because the performances aren't. I, I don't. I, we're not going to blow teams away. If anybody thinks in this league you're going to blow teams away, it doesn't matter. You, you, you're you're wrong, aren't you? It's just not going to happen. Yeah, but I think we can play better. That's I think that's my point. We can play better than we are. Um, and I think that would, you know, that will allow us perhaps to play um, a little bit better. Um, so... Just to put you on the midfield in their defence, the Jones, Young, and Davis midfield was the trio we used for the second half of last season, or certainly the best part of it. And that was the trio that nearly got us promoted. So I, it's, but I, the thing I would say, I think he's, if you watched the game, I think he's changed it because he's asking. Young to sit much much deeper than he was even last season. So okay. Young really sits at the front of that back four now. Um, and although he'll get a toe in, and he will put a tackle in and stuff, but he's not that tough tackler that you normally associate with that that sort of... So Young's playing more like a deep-lying playmaker um, right in front of the back four. And I just... It, uh, maybe he'll, he'll tweak it. You know, it might just need bits on the training ground, mightn't it? Um, just to make it function better. But yeah, something it's not quite it's not quite clicked for us yet. And maybe that's what's affecting our performances. And we're we're a bit reliant on game changers like Lee coming on twice now really uh, and helping us uh, you know swing things in our favour. 
thing is, though, just looking ahead, we could could go to Oldham the first weekend in October. We could be top of the league. We could be three or four points clear. You know, having not played what we would call expansive, attacking, great football, fluent football. And I, I do think when we get to a certain point in the season, when the players, like you say, when they've got a little bit more confidence in the new players, because I still think as much as they settled in well, they're still learning each other's games a little bit. And, you know, touch wood, we've got to be careful. You know, you've got to remember last year, how many games Mullin missed? Do you know, so, you know, them two up front are, are key to what we do really, aren't they? And, you know, God forbid, touch wood, nothing does happen to any of them. But it'd be interesting to see what would happen if we lost one of them, because we weren't great without Palmer, were we? And then when he came in, he was a revelation, wasn't he, for Mullin? So, you know, them two again, They, I think Mullin's game has slightly changed a little bit as well, because I think he gets frustrated, doesn't he, when that ball doesn't come in or doesn't, you know, how many times do we see him on the right wing crossing? He's he's probably the best crosser we've got at the, at the club, yet we win him on the end of the crosses, don't we, with, with Palmer? Classic thing that isn't it? The strikers are the best crossers of the ball. Yeah. Right. So here we go. Let's go through some player ratings then. And if anything stands out, uh, I know Alex, it sort of doesn't necessarily mean a lot to you, but um, let's uh, let's have a have a look and see what we think. So uh, these were the results of the uh, uh, the submissions. That obviously, what people voted for. Um, so Mark Howard got a seven point four. Which was actually the best before he was actually the best performer. That was man of the match. Um, so I'm guessing you'd agree with that, Richie, given the, your comments from before. Yeah, I think he played. Yeah, he, I think he played well. Yeah. Okay. Uh, both the fullbacks. So Anthony Ford got a six point five, and McFadden got a five point nine. Um, so Ford he got forward quite a bit. I, uh, if, if you'd agree with that, um, I think he's, he nearly got a goal actually at our end. Um, the keeper yeah. made a great save to his left, I think it was. So um, he looked a bit more comfortable, but, but McFadden struggled uh, and got hooked, obviously, uh, for Mendy after an hour or so. Yeah, I think uh, after Luke Young, obviously, by the forget Chesterfield game, I think he's been a consistent performer, Ford. I think he's your six, seven out of ten every week. He doesn't have to be your eight and your nine. You might get one or two games out of him like that. But you'll never get a three or a four out of him either. So I think he's, I think he's made a big difference to us. And I like he keep, he holds his position. I've done his position myself, and you you can get downrated because you don't get the ball. But if you held hold your position all the time, and Emma Mullen have got quite a good little understanding going on there. They link up quite well. Um, McFazdeen, I don't know if you've got any more information. Was Hosanna injured? Uh, not that I, not that I'd heard. I just assumed he'd pick Mendy as the sort of more senior uh, pro. Because after Saturday, obviously, with Mendy starting and then Hosanna coming on, because we thought Mendy was that injured, I thought they would just switch round so Hosanna would start and Mendy be on the bench. He put a good tackle in McFazdeen in the first 10 minutes, but he got he got done far, far too many times on that left-hand side. And I think that um, will go on to the centre-backs in a minute, but I think that affected Clover's performance as well for me. Okay, let's do them. So we'll we'll do them as a group of three. So uh, Ben Toza got a six point seven. Aaron Hayden got an average of six point eight, and Max Cleworth got an average of seven point one. I wouldn't agree with them to be honest. I think I think Toza did play well. Um, I think Hayden, uh, to quote my wife, is just trying to do too much. I don't know. Um, he's obviously a threat in the opposition's box, but I think he was trying to do a little bit too much and. 
he still he was a little bit suspect with his with their you know with their goal and and some of his passing. But I think Max was he didn't have not a, not a, a dreadful game. I'm not saying that at all, but I just think he looked a little bit unsettled. And when obviously they took their right winger off, like I mentioned before, it was a bit of a bit of a respite for him really. But I just think. I don't know what it is, whether because last year, I mean, I know what Trasdean played there last year with him, but he just didn't seem to have the protection maybe that he had because he was having to be with McFasdine, he was having to be the one who was further forward at some points, wasn't he? Uh, Clareworth, he was going past McFasdine, whereas, you know, it should be the other way around, shouldn't it? Yeah, he does like an overlapping run though, Max, doesn't he? But yeah. you shouldn't be really, the reality is you shouldn't be relying on him for that. McFasdine no. should be good enough to do that himself. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. Okay. Let's burn through these uh, the midfield. So uh, James Jones got a five point six, Luke Young got a six point six, and Jordan Davis got a five point two. What do you I think, think, Rich? I think Luke Young again. We got a missed an average performance out of him. Seven, maybe seven and a half. Uh, Jones. He's got what he's one. It's unlucky for him because he tries every game. He's obviously the fittest player at the club. Everyone keeps saying. He runs and he runs, but he just had that bad touch and he just, oh, he was trying to take that extra touch because he wasn't sure of his touch. And then he was getting caught out, wasn't he? Everything he sort of tried just didn't come off for him. But you can't, you know, his effort and, you know, he wasn't kicking the ball out of play and that, whatever. He'll still run back and still get into position. It was just the game passed him by a little bit. And pretty much the same with Jordan, really. You know, he could have scored that goal um, where he sort of, if he just stopped the ball dead, a little bit more composure, but then oh, was it the lad did a goal line saving tackle and put denied the goal type of thing? I just think with the, maybe they know themselves it's not right, but then like Alex said before, for the last four months of the season, that three you wouldn't have broke up at all, would you, for anybody? No, I mean I think James Jones really his strength is in the press because he's got the energy to run all night. He's the one that initiates the press all the time. So, you know, he's not going to be a tackler. He's only going to chip in with the odd goal. Um, but we, he, he was, he, he was just, he, he just felt a little bit off, didn't it, for some reason? Yeah. It wasn't quite, wasn't quite his usual self. Um, so the front two got 7.1s, both of them. Glad Palmer got another goal. That keeps his streak going, doesn't it? Give him a bit more confidence. Yeah, I think he had a better first half and second half. Um, I think he dwindled out the game a little bit. Um, Mullin, again, like you said, Elliot Lee did that little chip or whatever. Normally you'd say, yeah, do you know what? He'd score that, whatever. I think, do you know what? The one-on-one, it, he missed a couple against Maidstone, didn't he? And uh, everyone was, I think everyone was thinking, oh, here we go. But it was a great finish. I don't know whether, because I was right, you know, close to it or whatever. But he was a big lad there, goalie, to be fair to him. And uh, he tucked it away really well. He sort of gave him the eyes and then put it in the other corner. I would say, yeah, do you know what? Again, they both did an average performance. And that's, if you look, look, go through the team, them two, Tozer, Hayden, Luke Young, Ford, Howard played well. We had more better players than them, didn't we? You've got average marks. Yeah, the class tells in that key moment, doesn't it? That's the difference. Yeah. Uh, so we'll go on to the subs. Uh, so Mendy got a 6.1. Elliot Lee got a 7.2. And Dolby got a 5.4. So we've seen Dolby a couple of times now. And uh, I think he's got some work to do because, uh, you know, 
it, the ball doesn't stick for him. I mean, we didn't make him any chances, to be fair to him, I guess. But uh, he definitely doesn't look settled yet, and he doesn't. He was a bit. He went to ground a bit easier, a little bit like Palmer for a big man. You want him to stand up. I think. Um, I think there's a bit more to come from him. I would say. Do you know? I'd love to know the stat of has he been in our box defending more than he's been in their box attacking. What's that? It, yeah. it does seem that, doesn't it? Because you don't see him in, in the attacking box, do you? Has he had a shot yet? I'm not sure if he's had a shot yet. Not to the games I've seen, anyway. I wouldn't have said no. Three home games, he's not. I wouldn't have said. But then again, he's only as good as the service he gets. And is it is he coming in where we've sort of took our foot off the gas a little bit? Yeah, that's fair comment. But Lee, for me, Lee was the game changer. Uh, I thought he was really, really good again. And as I said, that'll be interesting to see on Saturday what what happens. So uh, Phil Parkinson got a five point seven. I mean, I don't know, you win 3-1 and your manager's getting an average rating off, you know, a 5.7. Uh, and I put this week, I put a team score in to see what people thought. Uh, and overall, the team scored a 6.1. So what do you think of them, Richie? I think it's just the same what I've said, really, is that it was just an average performance, wasn't it? There was a couple of highlights, you know. Both start, We started both halves really well. Um I would probably give him a little bit of praise as he realised who the players were struggling and took him off. Not so much as in Palmer, but McFasden and Jones. He realised that, you know, they were struggling and he changed them. And the changes for them worked, didn't they? Especially Elliot Lee. Um, I think Mendy, he was a little bit better than McFasden. He wasn't, didn't set the world alight, but he held his position and he kept the ball a little bit. Um, Attacking-wise, I don't know. Are we still... I do still wonder what happens if one of them two has a suspension. Is Dolby or, you know, Angus has been nowhere near the scene as he's same as uh, McAlinden. You know, it's a big ask for one of them to ever come in, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's a it's a, a far lower quality if Angus comes in, certainly yeah. compared to the front two. Um, and he's a different type of player that to, to he's, he's a different, I mean, he's a penalty box player. That's it, isn't it? You know, yeah. Um, so we are in, but I guess the beauty is at least like it's transfer deadline day today. So normally we'd be scrambling around, probably thinking, how do we, what do we do? What do we need? Um, and obviously this year for the first time, we haven't got to worry about it and we can, you know, continue to register players through the season. So thank the Lord for whoever, uh, my guess is it's Sean Harvey, but thank the Lord for whoever sorted that out. Yeah. We're not looking at any free agents, are we? <laughs> Free agents that haven't been attached for years and stuff. So, um, so yeah. There is a bit of big transfer news in regards to the national league. If you want to touch on it, Matt, Has I it know you've been following Something... it closely. Is it... Yeah, go on, because I've I've been looking at other things. Go on, Alex. So, a Twitter user called Ben Ramsdale, who has got a blue tick next to his name, so he's a, a trustworthy source. Um, forty minutes ago, he's put a tweet out saying can confirm that Kamongo Shamanga to Birmingham City is a done deal. Haven't got an exact figure, but told a fee is under £1 million. Yeah, so the rumour was it was three quarters of a million, wasn't it? Oof, it's, you know what, he's probably worth that. Yeah, well, I mean, I think we're, sli we're slightly biased in the fact that obviously we've got Mullin uh, and he plays for us. But if you look, I mean, Shamanga scored 24 
25 goals in 27 games before his leg break. You know, that is sensational, isn't it? So uh, that's what they, they're taking a bit of a gamble because of the injury. But obviously, they think it's worth a gamble. If it does go ahead, it's, it's very good news for us. Very, very good news. I'd probably have Chesterfield, maybe not County as our two biggest threats this season, possibly Solihull as well. But for Chesterfield to lose Shamanga is probably the equivalent of us losing Mullen. That'd be a huge blow for them. So I guess the caveat is that they'll have some money burning a hole in the pocket. But I doubt, bearing in mind this was furlough FC, um, I, <laughs> yeah, I seriously doubt that they're going to have all of it to play with, for instance. Uh, you know, uh, I suspect the club coffers will swallow up a lot of that. Um, so it would be, and I mean, you know, I just don't know who you could bring in that's going to get you that many goals. You know, who's going to go with also... Chesterfield? Is the, you know, go on, Rich, sorry. I, I would say I think Chesterfield have got a better deal there because how many minutes do you reckon he's played or goals he scored this year? He scored two goals, hasn't he? And he's played, has he played about an hour or 90 minutes or something mm. over the over the over all the games? I just think there's a reason why Paul Cook wasn't starting him. And I think it's his injury. And like I, I said to you, Matt, uh, privately, I think mentally as well, somebody told me that he doesn't, you know, he, which I get as well, you know, you broke your leg, you had a bad injury. It was a bad tackle, to be fair to him. Um, he's a bit hesitant on that, whatever. But I don't know whether, I mean, you may find something about, you might come back on loan or something like that. That's not been mentioned, but I think it's a hell of a jump, isn't it, from National League where you're not on the top of your game to go to the Championship. Yeah, there's no. I don't think there's any way Birmingham pay that money, and then loan him back. I think they they're going to need him, aren't they? So, but we'll see. Let's see. So the club did their player of the month uh, poll. It's a bit weird how they do it. You have to write your name underneath the. Instead of voting, don't you? It's a bit of a strange. I'm not sure why they haven't discovered Google Docs or something, uh, Google Forms or something. Nick. Uh, so Aaron Hayden won that. Um, and then, as we've just been discussing before we uh, hit record again, uh, the little poll that we did, Max Cleworth won that one. So I guess the reality is you could probably toss a coin between the two of them, and it just depends who you prefer. Would anybody have said anything different, or do you agree with one of them? And I guess which one did, would you have voted for? I'd agree with your one, Matt. I'd give it to Max Clayworth. Um, I don't think if Aaron Hayden didn't score those two goals against Woking, I don't think he'd be in the um, the reckoning, to be fair. Yeah. I mean, yeah. credit to him. He's won us the game pretty much there. But other than that, he's not struck me as one of our better players this season, by his standards anyway. Um, but every time I've seen Max Clayworth play, he's been literally faultless. For a 20-year-old lad um, sitting in the back three, teams have targeted him. You can see player teams trying to pump balls down our left channel, trying to get a mistake out of Max, but he's having none of it so far. And yeah, I think I've seen three games live, one on the telly, and he's been faultless so far. And I agree with your poll, Matt. I think he edges... Well, he doesn't edge Hayden out. I think he's comfortably... Um, deserved that award ahead of Hayden. Go on, Richie, what do you think? Uh, first of all, I think it's worrying that we've got centre-halves competing for Player of the Month. 
Um, but I would say out of the three home games I've been to, I think Elliot Lee wins the first one with with the first game. Mullin obviously made some running running ragged. The other night was a bit more a bit difficult because I think I think but Howard probably. So obviously when you're looking at the away games. Chesterfield wasn't there, but just I think it was just nightmare nightmare uh, at at Chesterfield and Yeovil. They reckon it was you know it because of the heat and things like that. Whatever. Woking, I think Luke Young did all right for me, but Hayden got the plaudits because of the goals, like Alex just said. I, I, if I could choose one, I wouldn't choose one if that makes sense, because I don't think anybody for me has shone out as stuck as as a standout player. I think every game we've had somebody different, which in the long term might not be a bad thing. So just to pick up, I voted for Cleworth um, personally, but just to pick up on a point that you both touched on, I think. The uh, so you were saying, Richie, about the other night, it was potentially him that lost his man for the header. Um, Hayden, on the goal. yeah, Hayden. If you watch back to the uh, which was the was it woke the woking where we the gave cross, away, was it? no, where we gave away. Well, that what I, I, I'd have to watch that again because I can't remember now, but it was actually the other goal where they got the penalty. The ball is passed forward by um, woking. And Hayden, for some reason, sort of points at it and leaves it go. It's really bizarre. And I'm, I was sat there thinking, what are you doing? Just stop the ball. And it's like he was trying to be clever and leave it for Tozer, but it didn't happen. And then they had a little mazy dribble and then Young comes in and gives away the penalty. So um, that's that was the, those were the reasons for me that I thought, actually, I think Clever's just been a bit cleaner about his business. Yeah, I think the first goal in that game as well, Matt, was... Probably Hayden at fault. It was a great cross from the right towards the back stick and diving daily ahead of Hayden to, to volley into the, the back of the net. Um, so you could argue Hayden in that Woking game was at fault for two, but he did score two, so he's evened itself out. Um, I think even Ollie Palmer live on BT had a cheeky little uh swipe at Hayden. I can't remember what he said, but I think the uh, the the presenter was, oh, you've won Wrexham the game in the uh, the opposition's box today instead of your usual box. And Ollie was like, oh, he didn't do much in our usual box either. <laughs> but Banter. Take it on the chin. <laughs> it's it's quite worrying that both in goals, obviously I've seen the one on uh, Tuesday night close up and then obviously the, the ones on TV. But it's not the fact that it's, it's positioning because he's in the position, but he's just... You talk, you know, he's not looking over his shoulder, looking around what his bearings are. And, you know, the picture always changes, don't they? That's what they say. Even when I was coaching, that's what you used to say. You can take a, take a quick look, but then when you look back again, it can change so quickly. And he's just been caught out, I would say, twice now where, you know, it hasn't mattered. But in the big games, you know, we need to be on top form. And listen, he was fantastic last year. But I just think his defensive side, we just need to maybe, I don't know, we just need to need to tighten up as a, as a unit as well. Yeah, that brought me on to... So I've, I've just written down three points here. So um, I'll fire these at you and then I'll, I'll await the criticism. So I, I can't remember who it was, that whether it was just me and you that had this conversation, Alex. But I think Hayden is one of those players that takes a bit of time to get up to full speed. Because if you remember last season as well, at some points he was getting a bit of stick. Um, and bear in mind, he, has, he, he did have a spell out, didn't he? So I think, I think he is just one of them players that takes six or seven games to get fully match fit. Um, the If you remember back to this time last year, I'd argue Aaron, uh, Harry Lennon was our best player. 
He was yeah. playing outstanding. So again, it's because the def- the midfield and attack aren't doing enough. We we are a bit reliant sometimes on the defenders at the moment. Um, and uh, yeah, I would I, I would say that that you know I would argue. I know some pe- a lot of people don't like Lennon because of his injury record, but I thought he I know he and I know he has got a poor record. And, um, apparently, he is about a week or two weeks away from full fitness. But I thought this time last year he was he was our best player for me. Um, which again is is worrying Richie because that's a defender, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, if he look maybe roles reversed. If he comes in, and I'm not saying to drop Max by this, by the way, and he comes in and he plays the second half of the season and he plays as well as he did for the first half last year, then we've got you know we'll, we may we might tighten up at the back and keep a lot more clean sheets. Um, but just going back to Hayden, I think most Wrexham fans would say if he hadn't got injured. I actually think we would have pipped Stockport and I think we would have won the trophy as well. And that's a lot to put on one player, but I just think that back three knew exactly what they were doing. They all knew their own positions. They all knew their strengths. They knew each other's weaknesses. And I just think, obviously, and obviously Tyler French has left now when he come in and that whatever, there wasn't that same calmness at the back, was there? As well as we had double in goal. If you lose one of that back three or your keeper... Unfortunately, we had to lose the keeper and the one of the back three. It just unsettled the team. So I just think, but I just we're always going to we're going to score a hundred goals. That's not an, that's not an issue for me. I think we'll get that. But we just don't want too many. Well, we say that dramatic wins, but we all enjoyed them last year, didn't we? Yeah. No, no disrespect to um to Dibble and Tyler French, who covered Baden at the back end of that season, but. You could see how weakened we were with those two playing instead of Leighton and Hayden, especially in the Grimsby game in the playoffs. Obviously, I wrote I wrote Grimsby down. That was my next point: is that we, oh. you know, surely Parkinson must be thinking we can't be that bad again. And it was a similar to Dover. It was like basketball, wasn't it? He must yeah, be thinking was, we can't be doing that. It was five goals against Grimsby. I think four of them were from corners or throw-ins, and yeah, you can't concede four goals from set pieces like that and expect to win big games of football. So, and my other worry for this season is we've not had a game where we've, I know it's only six games in, but I'd love to win a game 1-0. Solid at the back, solid in midfield and take a chance when we get it. Instead, we're winning 3-1, 3-2, obviously losing at Chesterfield, conceding away at Yeovil. Um, I'd like to see us get a few one, two nil wins in the next few games, just to get that consistency going defensively. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll. We'll wrap up that bit on this. What I said to Michael, Michael Starkey the other day, said at the moment I haven't got confidence that we can have a clean sheet. It doesn't fit. We don't just don't feel tight enough yet, gelled as a unit. So I'm always, whenever I'm doing my predictions, I'm always giving the opposition a goal at least. Yeah, like Richie said, I could have played in defence against Maidstone and we probably wouldn't have conceded against them. But any team that's got a bit of quality, whether it's Howard with the ball at his feet, whether it's a cross into the box, I just don't feel as confident as I did probably second half of that season when when Hayden was fit. And you're not going to win leagues by being shaky at the back. So I'm hoping that you say, especially in regards to Hayden, it's just going to take a few more games to to get settled in and obviously he's coming back from an injury as well. So hopefully he can uh, make a big difference in both boxes as the season progresses. 
Um, Just, quick one uh, on, on Lennon, oh. sorry, and, and Tunnicliffe as well. We've got two top quality um, left-sided centre-backs waiting in the wings there. So, touch wood, we don't have any injuries at the back, but central defensively, that's probably where our most strength and depth is, if you like. Go on, Richie, go on. What about you were going to say? Just about to say there, Matt, apparently one of the most popular bets on Tuesday was both teams to score, Wrexham to win. Oh, and has yeah. been for the last couple. And I think it will be for the next couple as well. Yeah, I mean, Dork, and we'll touch on Dork later, but they look, they love some attacking. I mean, they have overlapping centre-backs the same as us, and, they, you know, they love to attack. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a that's a, it's a good bet. And it will be interesting to see if we ever see Jordan Tunnicliffe. He might leave the club in January and never played a game for us. Because, uh, you know, it just doesn't feel like he's ever going to play, does it? Feels like another Sean Brisley, yeah, arrived with a decent reputation, but hasn't been seen. Okay, so we've talked about player. Let's quickly touch on goal of the month. Any, 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 any other advancement on Elliot Lee's Thierry Henry-esque bender into the far corner for his on his debut? No. <laughs> I couldn't be when I was I was trying to rack my brain. I was thinking, I was like, oh, to be honest, I don't think there was anything as good as that yet. Well, a it was a really good goal, and b it was an important goal as well to get us back into the game. So ticked all the boxes. There's been a few half decent goals. Um, I think Jordan Davis's one against Maidstone, the volley edge of the box. Yeah, 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 yeah. That would that would be that would be probably been second for me from what I can remember. Yeah. Yeah, I'd give that seconds. Other than that, no goals have really stood out. Um, so, Dave, yeah, comfortably Elliot Lee for me. Okay, so hopefully you uh, both saw this. I can't remember what night it was now. Was it two nights ago or one night ago? I think it was two nights ago. Ryan Reynolds broke the internet. <laughs> <laughs> and he rubbed, he rubbed fans of opposition clubs up the wrong way even though this potentially benefits them. So did you both sort of see the, uh, or get the gist of the statement that, that they put out about uh, streaming both international, internationally and domestically? Did you, did everybody see that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so obviously if for our point of view, we, we stand to massively benefit currently because internationally we could be making money um on those markets that are seeing obviously the documentary and are thinking, well, this might be good to follow for a period of time. And I guess we could charge for, for a stream at X amount. Um, obviously we used to pay a tenner, didn't we? So I'm assuming it would be the equivalent of a tenner and that would make us, make us a little bit more money. Uh, now we would have a wider audience, I guess, than perhaps a dorking or a, no disrespect to a Maidstone, but just because we're lucky enough to have the documentary and the owners, you know, we're in a position to maximise it. So obviously the National League came out and kind of said, uh, well, we've got a proposition and we're putting it forward, didn't they? I think the response came the day after or two, or was it only this morning that, the, that they said that they've they've got, it sounded like a version of iFollow from what they explained, um, which the EFL clubs use. Um, so I guess... I'm scratching my head thinking, well, why, why are they not, you know, what are the reasons that potentially somebody would not want this? So from my point of view, the only one I can think of is there is obviously some costs. So if you're a smaller club, you might not want to invest in, a, you know, some 
good enough uh, equipment to to sort of you know to do a live stream a match day live stream rather than just having the fixed camera that sometimes they do have um so there is some cost to it um which they might not recoup i guess but can anybody else give me a reason on why this potentially uh, uh, you know taking aside the fact that bt are probably the people who actually aren't allowing it um can anybody give me a reason why this we wouldn't be uh, live streaming games um you could argue that so when we were streaming games two years ago that was because fans weren't allowed in the grounds now what you could argue is for some teams not for Wrexham because we'll sell out most games anyway but a team like at the top of my head someone like Barnet um if Barnet fans could stay home and spend the tenner instead of going to the game and paying what 15 pound a ticket a pie and a pint a program and possibly spending 30 35 pounds on the day if they then have the option to just stay at home and just pay a tenner to watch it online what do these clubs say hang on these fans aren't coming to the ground anymore they're not spending they're staying at home we've probably lost out there on fan span fan spend per game due to the fact fans are staying at home now but genuine fans, on the other hand, would probably go to matches anyway. I don't think they'd want to stream it. So that's the only argument I can think of why some teams may not want um, streaming to happen. You'll also have traditionalists who'll say, oh, football's a game you should go and see in the flesh. He wants to sit at home and watch it. Um, but that's probably a bit of an outdated argument as well. So... I can't really think of any reason why any team in the National League would, would be against it. What do you think, Richie? Got any thoughts? Just to pick up one of Alex's points there, I think if we're in the Premier League, then obviously we've got people saying, oh, obviously it's cheaper to stream than to go to the matches. I think what you would get in the what you get in the National League is probably one of the most loyal fan bases. Um, you know, hence the fifty-six that come from Maidstone. The 14 that come from Boreham Wood last year, you know, just coming off the top of my head. I think it wouldn't, I don't think it would affect attendances because if you look at it, people are going to go, oh my God, it's Wrexham away. Or is it a case of, I'm not going to go to Wrexham away because we might get a battering? Or it might be, do you know what? This might be one of the last chances we get to go and visit Wrexham, you know, before they go, uh, before they go up and go, go bigger and things like that, whatever. But, it's because the National League haven't thought of it themselves. That's why they're digging their heels in. That, Ryan Reynolds has absolutely embarrassed them as an organisation, doesn't he? That's what he's done. Because um, all, all the sorry, sorry, but all the teams when we were in the furlough situation and we couldn't go in the ground and things like that, whatever, that was a lifeline for some of these clubs, wasn't it? People watching their games. And then the final point is, why on earth was our game against Weymouth last year live streamed? Was it a trial? Was it? Why was it? Why was that streamed and nobody else? Not Chesterfield weren't streamed. Notts County weren't streamed, were they? Yeah, I can't remember now. Because um, the fans were allowed back in, reason. weren't they? All the fans were allowed back in. Wrexham took 300 fans down there on a Tuesday night. All right, with great performance. And this is what the other teams are saying. Well, why Why was it done? Why was it just, oh, because it's a long trip for Wrexham. It's a long trip for anybody, isn't it, down to Weymouth, let's be honest. I, there was never any reasoning as to why it was there. Listen, it was great. It was better to watch it, listen to it on the radio, and we've seen all the goals. But I just don't... 
some of the things the National League do, they do, let's be honest, it's not run by professionals, is it? I think we can all say that quite comfortably. Some of the decisions you think are mind-boggling. Oh, well, the highlights the highlights rule is another one, isn't it? It's about 36 hours after yeah. games before you can show your highlights. I mean, it's just, it's archaic, isn't it? It's just, it stinks yeah. of being run by, like you say, almost like by part-timers, Rich. Yeah. It just feels that, like, they're about 10 years behind the Football League. I mean, I, of... sorry, uh, uh, Alex. Well, I was, I was just going to say that it's interesting when you look through Twitter and see what fa- other fans saying, oh, don't give in to Wrexham, don't give in to Wrexham. This could potentially benefit you if you're, you know, if you, if you play the game and if you're a, a football club which has got some interesting history and perhaps you play a nice brand of football, there's nothing to say that some American won't think, oh, actually, I've watched Dorking. What a great club that looks. Let me go and see if I can throw a billion at them. <laughs> you know, uh, that's the game that you, you know, that's the, the it's, it's, it's entertainment at the end of the day. And that's the game you have to play in it. So I think it's very short sighted and naive of other fans to be saying, uh, oh, don't give in to Wrexham just because Ryan Reynolds is pumped, has uh, spoken up. You know, I, I just I find it bizarre. Yeah, and let's say it was £10 per game this season and obviously we're playing Dorking on Saturday. How many of our new American and Canadian followers would pay a tenner to watch Wrexham play Dorking? And Dorking would get the money for that. And Dorking will get the money Or the majority of it. I think, obviously, I think some of it would go to the... What they're saying is some of it would go to the National League, but... I'm taking a figure out of thin air here, but I reckon... Comfortably after this documentary now, you'd get 5,000 fans from overseas paying the tenor to watch their new team. Yeah, and that's I don't what... disagree, yeah. Do, do, you, do you know what the split is of TV money for BT when it's on BT? Uh, do you mean between clubs? Yeah, between clubs. Do you know what the split is there? No. Do you know what? It, it's £5,000 for the game. The home team gets 4000 the away team gets £1,000. The only stat I did see, um, and I can't remember who it came from, but it was talking about um, TV money in the National League compared to Division 2. And they said that um, in the National League, on average, at the end of a year, you get around the £90,000 mark from TV, um, depending on exactly how many games that you you turn up in. Uh, I think the lowest amount in League 2 got £1.1 so it's, it's massive, isn't it? I know. So I mean, you know, that's Sky's money as opposed to BT's money, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But it's a massive difference, isn't it? You know, it is, and, and you know, and you look at the way that sometimes towards the end of the season, especially, obviously with the playoffs and things like that, whatever, some teams are, and it's, but we all come back to the fans, don't we? Because some of them playoff games on a Monday night, depending on who you got, obviously last year it was a lot of northern teams, but you imagine if we had got Boreham Wood away on a Monday night. Now, Wrexham's got one of the most loyal fan bases. Yeah, it's great. But how many solid old fans do you think would have gone down to Boreham Wood on a Monday night? Not many, would they? Not as many as us. No. You know, and, and that's where, if that game was streamed, and obviously they would still get the hardcore going, but if that game had been streamed, like Alex said, for a tenner, how many people would have watched it? Yeah. 
Uh, no, I agree. Um, well, so what I was touching on before, I'll see if I can find it again. So the, the, uh, there was an update today that uh, the club had written now to all the other clubs, hadn't they, asking them to support the, the move. And Nathan Salt has see, uh, from Rob Ryan Red has, see, has uh, seen the proposal. So I don't know if you do, if you if you're following Nathan, you should follow him. He's he's obviously uh, very knowledgeable, being a journalist as well. Um, gets a lot of info. So let me put uh, so Wrexham. These are the tweets that he sent out today. Uh, Wrexham write to all the national league clubs with bold plan to stream matches domestically and internationally immediately, because obviously their response was they you know they're looking at it in the future, et cetera, was it? It was very yeah. vague, generic, just the stuff you put out just to try and get the pressure <laughs> off you. Um, so um, the memo outlines observing, so they're not going to change the Saturday, the, that, that, that blanket ban at three o'clock on a Saturday, you can't change because it's obviously, it's in there, isn't it? So they can't stream those games and games that are on BT, you, I think is what they're saying is that they won't affect them. So if it's games on, and they do this in America with the NFL, if your game's on BT, it can't be streamed anyway. So that doesn't affect BT's money, potential money then. Um, uh, the home club, at its absolute discretion, should decide if a game is to be streamed so that their games and their gate receipts are not at risk. Home clubs should meet costs associated with the streaming of the game. Any game on BT should not be eligible. Yeah. Um, oh, this was the interesting bit, actually, Alex. You're going to fall over now. The memo seen by the mail details the option to stream matches in immediately with £10 passes for fans in the UK and streams made free to fans abroad. Ah, right. I wonder why that is. I think they want to sell some shirts and merch. <laughs> Not that you can buy any, I don't think, still at the moment. True. But yeah, so that's the, and that. This is what Wrexham have written to the to, to. I guess the first stage is if you can just get people internationally seeing it for free, and then once all the owners realise, they'll all go, "Oh, well, hang on a minute, maybe we've made a mistake here." Actually, uh, yeah, let's charge people internationally. Um, but at least you've got the stream. You know, you've got that facility up and running. I guess, haven't you? Yeah, I, I'd, I'd say it, they should pay from abroad, though. I don't. I think, yeah, I don't disagree with you. But I think. Um, do you remember just going back? Remember years ago when we had a bit of a stint where we tried Friday night games. I love and it Friday worked, night games. It? I love Friday yeah. night games. Yeah, and it and it worked, didn't it? Tramway used to do it all the time, didn't it? Yeah. You know, we're going back. All right, we're going back twenty years ago now, whatever. But it's like there's no flexibility, is there, with the National League? You know, say for example, we were right on the doorstep of Liverpool, Manchester United. You know, really close city, and I mean closer than what we are now. And we thought, do you know what? It's better for us to play Sunday lunchtime before the four o'clock game on Sky. Just say we did that. They wouldn't. There's, there's no room to manoeuvre, is there? I'm not saying move every game to Friday night or let's kick off at five o'clock every Saturday. You know, I'm not saying that. You know, so we can all go out after the game and celebrate. I'm not saying that, but there is no, there's no. You can't move. No flexibility at all from the league at all. But why was why was the game on Tuesday night moved? Is again the big question, isn't it? Bizarre. Yeah, and it just with you saying that, Richie, just took me back to last year and the playoff final at West Ham, which was just like everybody was like, "Well, this is daft." Uh, you know, you don't need to be playing it there, and yet, you know, they came out with all that BS, didn't they? Oh, it's just pathetic, isn't it? That you know what, 
they didn't plan on doing the Queen Jubilee. Didn't they? Didn't just wake up on January morning and think, do you know what? We'll do the Jubilee in June, shall we? You know, and then all this rubbish about, um, oh well, we've got to do it because no other grounds available. We then the comment about I think they emailed Leslie Griffiths and said, oh, we tried to get it in Cardiff, didn't they? In the Millennium or Principality, and then but they took half the stadium away and charged everyone forty quid to go in. It's just, do you know what? We need to get out of it just to not have them in our lives anymore. I agree. Anything to add? So anything? I mean, did you see Simon Jordan's talk sport little rant? By the oh. way, did I, did anybody see yeah. like the little clips or anything? So Alex is shaking his is agreeing. Did you see it, Richie? I did. Yeah, I did. What an idiot! <laughs> Absolute idiot. <laughs> Yeah, again, he, I was amazed at him because I always was under the impression that this was somebody who understood football, but he always portrays this image that he understands grassroots football and, you know, and that just showed a real lack of understanding, uh, uh, you know. What, so everybody in, around the world is Wrexham fans now? Well, yeah, but, you know, by the way, you do know we have got a Disney Plus documentary, so we have got some more fans now. It just, it was, it was embarrassing again. At least um, Trevor Sinclair done his bit of bit of uh, pre uh, work, didn't he? Because he said, "Have you seen their attendances for the last ten home games, or you know, of so many games where they've been sellouts?" I think he was interested in buying, uh, putting some money into Coventry, wasn't he? Taking over there, I think the Coventry fans that just made their mind up completely for them. You know, he gets a lot of stick off Gabby and Bognor Hall, doesn't he? As well, and he says, "You might have been an owner of a football club, but you're a failed owner because you lost all their millions." So this is a twist, not what was expected at all. Are you ready, guys? Go on. So there's a tweet come out three minutes ago. Are you sitting down? Best of, best of luck in your next chapter, Dior Angus, from all of us at Wrexham AFC. Angus departs for Harrogate. He's gone up the league. Wow. Striker joins uh, League Two side on a free transfer. We need a striker. <laughs> but that tells me somebody, somebody's coming in. I mean, I'm a bit shocked. I'm a bit shocked because I thought they'd keep him because he hadn't made much noise about not being in the side. So I thought, you know, he's a good person to have as a fourth choice striker. Um, you know, you don't want somebody who's going to, uh, uh, you know, unsettle everybody, do you? You want somebody who's just going to be a good trooper and sort of yeah. come along for the ride. So, um, you know what? There's a, there's a decent player in Angus. I remember two seasons ago, the COVID season, I think he joined in January and he scored a fair few goals, decent goals as well. Um, obviously, last season's chances were limited. He didn't look great, but... It's a shame because there is a player in there. Something's gone on the past year. Obviously, he's lost motivation. He's been out of form. Maybe he's not quite up to the standards of a team chasing the title. I know he was at Barrow when they went up, but yeah, I wish him well at Harrogate. He's done well to move up a league considering he's not scored or played in about a year. So good luck to him. He never caused any issues for us put a good shift in for us when he did play in the COVID season, so good luck to him. He didn't stop the bus, did he, to get off? So that's, you know, unlike... Adi Yusuf. Adi, Adi Yusuf. <laughs> yeah. well, 
maybe uh, maybe he'll flourish at a higher league, as daft as that sounds. Yeah, somebody's not, making uh, somebody's yeah. making a lot of chances for an eighteen-yard box player. Uh, you know, he'll he'll do well. I mean, I thought this year he would have he would have appreciated the reserve team to get a bit of football and those other little friendlies that they made. But obviously, his his choice will be to play football, wouldn't it? I guess you know that's the thing. So and they must have given him some sort of assurances. Yeah, it hasn't it hasn't come on the yellow bar yet. And Sky Sports News, I've got it in front of me. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not. I mean, it'll be way down the list that one. I think. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, okay. So we did get some breaking transfer news on deadline day. Not what I expected. And we must have... There's one coming in. It has to be, isn't there? I mean, uh, the, the, the word was that Phil Parkinson really liked Jake Bickerstaff. Is there any way that he just goes with Bickerstaff as fourth choice? Or somebody from the, somebody, you know, or somebody from the Kai Evans brings somebody like that in? Um, I... Uh, and relies on him as a full... I'm, I'm just playing devil's advocate. I, I, Alex is looking at me to, like, what, what are you talking about, you idiot? I'm just trying to play devil's advocate, really. Um, God forbid this happened. If Mullen gets injured, we've not got a replacement for Mullen. Obviously, Dolby is, is Palmer's replacement. Who do we play as that? The, or, the, or the striker to partner Palmer if, he, if Mullen's injured? Can I just ask a question? Why do you yeah. assume that Dolby is Palmer's replacement? He's more of a target man. He's tall, yeah. he's strong. He doesn't strike me as the someone who can play the same role as Mullen. Yeah, so he is ever so slightly different. But when he joined, it, it, yeah, somebody must have asked him about it and said, yeah, uh, and he made the point that no, actually, my game is more about, you know, uh, setup play and uh, and uh, uh, he, he wasn't about holding the ball up, being the big strong target man. So that's the reason I asked the question because uh, if you go back to the quotes when he joined. He sold himself as being something slightly different to Palmer. I think he's a, he, he feels like he's a hybrid between the two. Is the is the impression that he gave? Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, from what I've seen of him, he just seems to come on, try and hold the ball up, although not very well in the games I've seen him play so far, and um, make a nuisance of himself. Point proven. <laughs> yeah. yeah We're asking him to play like Palmer, and he's a bit more yeah. of something else. It's just he happens to be. Six three, six four, whatever he is. Yeah, I suppose you automatically assume for someone that big that he is a target man. But you know, if he's not, I missed that interview. I'll hold my hands up. Um, but I still don't think he could replace Mullen, even if he's not a carbon copy of of Ali Palmer. So I think Mitchie's right. I think Parky's probably got someone lined up to come in, even on loan, just to play the um. Back up to Mullen or the fourth choice striker role in the squad. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I mean, I agree. I do think somebody must be coming in. I don't think they'll take any chances this season. There's no way they can leave themselves short and be kicking themselves at the end of the season. It's that's just my and you know maybe he can bring somebody with him who's like plays defensive midfield. I don't know. Maybe he's got one in his bag. <laughs> whoever this mystery striker is that we might sign. Oh, I hope it's Alfie May from Cheltenham. I really do, but I don't no. think it will be. No, we were linked with him a lot in the summer, weren't we? Yeah, yeah. I even, I even tweeted Ben Toza and asked him just to have a word with him as well, because uh, he's he's a great player, honest to God. At this level, as much as when you know when Palmer came in and made that impact, he would probably make is not the same, more of an impact. He is, uh, he's a, he's a, he's a good lad. He's both feet as well. 
can I play devil's advocate again? Go on. <laughs> and I am just playing devil, uh, genuinely, uh, yeah. But any chance he thinks to himself, well, actually, Elliot Lee could play that role. It would help him out with his midfield selection, wouldn't it? Just to, you know, you get, he's going to get a little bit more, potentially get a little bit more game time. Let him, uh, you know, come on and like, well, you know, if he's not already on the pitch, he's got a choice then. He can either bring one of the forwards off um, uh, uh, and it's be more likely to be that Mullin type role, wouldn't it? Because that, that seems to have to suit him. Or he's got the choice to bring him on as attacking midfielder. Are you saying that we could play Jordan Davis in the 10 role and then the two up top being Palmer and Lee? Well, let's just say Mullin's, uh, Mullin's going to get suspended at some point, isn't he? Let's be honest. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna hit somebody, uh, or something. You know, he's gonna, he's gonna upset a referee or something. So he's gonna miss. He is gonna miss some games, which is fine. We'll take that because you know that aggression gets him the goals, etc. The rest of the time. So I've just, you know, if it, if it's if it's Palmer and Lee with Davis behind, I, I think we're sure. I do. I think we're sure. I think we need another option. I don't think he for for me Lee at the moment. He's making more of an impact off the bench, isn't he? Than when he does start the games, um, and that's not to say he couldn't start a game, but I just think we need if it's one's gone, we need one to come in. Who, where that could come from? When we used to be with the trust, it'd have been leaked out by now, wouldn't it? He'd have been he'd have had a burger at the turf, but Ivan, or he'd have been in shell garage asking for directions as how to get into the club. But now this is the big thing now, where the difference is nobody knows who it is at all. Um, Surely, I think there's got to be somebody coming in. I'd be disappointed if there wasn't. Yeah, I think we've probably we. It's that it's that that'll you know we've we've probably got enough that we could get by, but we don't. We're not in a position where we should be getting by anymore, are we? Surely no, we should. We, we should be stacking this stacking this squad as best we can to give Phil Parkinson every tool that he needs to uh, to ensure promotion. Yeah, and my worry is, like I say. What if the worst happens and Mullen does get injured? Have we got a player who can replace him and score 20 goals a season? No. 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 Not that we know. Not that we know, I guess. Yeah, I mean, Bickerstaff, very highly rated, but I don't think he's ever scored a league goal for Wrexham, so he's probably not quite there yet. Elliot Lee would be an experiment. Could work. We know he's got a goal in him. Just look at the Eastley game. Is he an out-and-out forward? I'm not sure. Um, what does play into our hand, of course, is the fact we can sign anyone outside of the window now, which could well be a lifesaver for us um, if the worst does come to worst and Mullen or Palmer gets injured. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I mean, I don't get the feeling that we're going to wake up tomorrow to a new signing. I suspect that there's enough to get through the Dorking game, isn't there? Um, but I suspect they'll know who they want because it wasn't that Les Reed's role really was succession planning for across all the sort of positions and the structure. So you would think that they're, like Richie says, they they'll they must have an idea of somebody they would like to bring in. But we've got enough probably in the next game or two to get through it regardless. Yeah, and you saw during January last year we brought in Ollie Palmer, Tom O'Connor, and who's the other one? Callum McFadden. I would imagine that those kind of players were identified way before the January transfer window, probably more November, October, September time when we were struggling and we were picking up a lot of draws. 
So like you say, what we have at the moment is probably enough to see us through till Christmas or even after Christmas if no one gets injured and everyone's in form. The question is, do we have that strength in depth, probably like Stockport had last year, where we can bring a player off the bench who's going to do just as good a job as a player who was there previously. And centre forward is the only position of the pitch that I do worry about if one of our star men gets injured because, like I say, our strength in depth now, we've only got Dolby, you can come in and replace either of those two strikers. So, yeah, let's see what happens on that on that front. Okay, so we move to Saturday, away to Dorking. I'll be on the bus at 8 o'clock. Uh, anybody else... Uh, Anybody else going, Alex? No, I'm doing the back-to-back home games after Dorking, but if there's not a stream, I'll listen on the radio. <laughs> yeah, well, they, who knows? We wake, wake up tomorrow and Ryan might have fixed it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, obviously, you know, we've got no history, really, with Dorking um, to, uh, to, to speak of. We, we have a history on artificial pitches, sadly, uh, that isn't, uh, isn't a great record. We Even though we have access to sort of, I think, Collier's Park when they, they had artificial pitches, and I think sometimes they've, cha- they've trained at Airbus and Kevin Druids to try and prepare for these artificial pitches, but um, obviously it's not a natural, they're not a natural surface at all, are they? It's very different to play on, as you, you'll know, um, and we've seemed to have uh, not have a great record on them. Um, but well, let's do our best Phil Parkinson impression and go through who we, thinks, uh, who, who we think will he'll play. Any 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 theory changes formation or uh, are we uh, are we three <laughs> are we three five two? Yeah, I think it's nailed on, isn't it? That one. <laughs> okay, right. So Mark Howard's going to play in goal. Uh, Hayden Toza Cleworth. Anybody think he'll do anything different? Hang on, didn't Watson uh, get more play with the month votes than uh, than Howard in your poll? He did. In, he did in the poll. I did. Yeah. Um, but let's not talk about that. <laughs> I think Tunnicliffe um, will make an appearance on the bench. Okay, all right. So he's not starting though. I know. No. Unless obviously, inj- let's assume that we, you know, we've got no injuries, etc. Uh, f- wing backs then. Um, Ford done enough. Yeah, for me. Yeah, I'd stick with Ford. Uh, Mendy and McFadden then. Let's assume that the fact Mendy came on means he's got over his cramp from the uh, from the Woking game. Because uh, he got a good twenty minutes or half an hour, I think, the other night. So, do we think Mendy will keep the place now he's got it, or does McFadden come back in and, and give Mendy a little bit longer to to rest fully? Hosanna start for me. You think he brings Hosanna in? He does like Hosanna. He really likes him, doesn't he? And then Mendy will go on the bench. That's just where I. Uh... Oh, it's just been on Sky Sports News. Had a good sign, Dior Angus, on from Wrexham. Yeah. There you go. Now you believe me. Yeah, <laughs> it's not real if it doesn't. If it's not on the yellow ticker, it's not real. Oh, it wasn't. It wasn't that. It wasn't that good. It was just on the white bit. It wasn't. Oh, sorry to interrupt your team selection, but no, I think Mendy will go on the bench and Hosanna will start. But what do you think? Will what do you think, Alex? Um, I'm gonna go for Mendy. I think Dorking, uh, well, judging by their scores this season, are, are there to be got at, although they do score a few goals. I think he'll go more attacking. I think he'll start Mendy. Okay, I agree. I think Mendy starts. Um, 
midfield three. Now here we we've potentially got you know we've got O'Connor and Lee sort of circling around that that midfield. So do any of them break in, or do we go with what we know, uh, which served us well last year, and obviously uh, what we started with on Tuesday? I think I'm going to go with a change. I think Young will start. I think O'Connor will come in, and I think Lee will come in. I think he'll change it up. Oh, that's brave. Yeah. I just think Jones needs to be taken out of the limelight a bit. Jordan has had a little bit of a run now. All right, he got the goal against Maidstone, but I think he hasn't set the world alight, has he? He's just been Mr. Average type of thing. So I would say, yeah, I think I can see him changing it. As much as they say, don't change a winning team. I think he does listen to some of the criticism as well, though. I'm not saying he sits at home and listens to all our podcasts and he goes on Red Passion, but I do think he it needs and it, to me is he it'll be justified in his selection and if we get a win, then he can say well yeah do you know what I mean? But with the depth of the squad we got now and that with depth in numbers, obviously one just left or whatever, but he has also got that on the bench that if he needs to change it, he can change it, can he? Okay, yeah, I mean I I. I do agree with you, actually. I think O'Connor is going to come in this weekend. And I would have said Lee has to start, but he just keeps using him as an impact player. So whilst I would make that change, I don't think he's going to do it. I think he's going to leave him on the bench again, just in case. Um, But personally, I think he'll bring O'Connor in for James Jones. Go on, Alex. I disagree with both of you. I think it'll be the same midfield. Young, Jones and Davis. Okay. Uh, any changes up top? No. No. Not brave enough. He's not a brave enough man, I think, to change them too while they're not injured and uh, uh, or suspended. Just quickly back to midfield. The right word. I think it'd be stupid to change it. If he if he starts them three, I've suggested in midfield. He's already got a seven out of ten for me. Okay, yeah, because he's doing something <laughs> dynamically to sort of change and have a go. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a fair comment. Um, you know, I would, I say, I, I, it would be nice to see, you know, us do something to vary it so we're not as predictable and as easy to sort of, you know, to plan against. That's the the, the criticism I would give him. Um, okay, any other business then? Scores, scores. Who's brave enough to go? Same as Tuesday night. You're going 3-1, Richie. Yeah. Who gets the goals? Elliot Lee, uh, Mullin again, and I'm going to say Cleworth, and then all the back three have scored this year. Alex? I'm going to go for 4-1 to Wrexham. I mean, there'll be goals in it. I think it'll be an open game. Well, they do play very open, as I say. They do know, they play will. very open. This could be so... basketball. This, yeah. I was going to say four-two, but I've got a bit more faith in our defence. I'll go four-one. I think Mendy will get one. Mullen will obviously get one, and then we'll go Palmer and Jordan Davis as well. Okay, I'm going to go oh, three-two. <laughs> To us, I think um, Palmer and Mullin will score. I think Mendy will get one. 
I think we're due a Mendy Wondergold to show us what he's show us what he's what he's all about. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with that. So thank you very much again to the boys, to uh, Richie and Alex for uh, spending a couple of hours uh, having a therapy session with me following the Gateshead game and looking ahead to Dorking. It's a little update for you. It's now five past 11. And the latest is that uh, Shimanga, in fact, failed his MOT, his, uh, his medical. That's the rumour at the moment, is that uh, he's not going to Birmingham because he's uh, failed, his, uh, failed his medical. So they've uh, seems like they've pulled out. So we're not lucky enough to be rid of Shimanga yet. So on to Dorking we go, and uh, yeah, hopefully this will be uh, useful on that long trip down on Saturday. Uh, thank you, uh, as ever, to uh, 1987 till present for allowing us to use the music. It's very kind of uh, Neil and his brother just to uh, keep letting us do that. So again, I'll tweet out the uh, the link to their band camp. It'd be great if you can support them and support the Mind Charity by uh, buying copies of the single. Say the minimum you have to give is a pound, so uh, go on, be generous to them, and I'll leave you with that. And I'll be back next week at some point, and uh, I'll let uh, 1987 till present other players out so you can have a listen. Thank you very much.
Back in the football league 